the signal up to call the match. Scheinberg has smartly called the match. Ariel Sky is hurt. And it looks like Ariel Sky has definitely been injured and cannot continue this match. Let's get an EMT to ringside. Ariel Sky is hurt right now. Let's get an EMT to ringside, please. The match has been called by Ben Scheinberg. The match ends in a no contest. Certainly not the way that we wanted this to wind up, David, but our performer's safety is number one. It's paramount here in Wild Women of Wrestling. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And it is the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast and your host, Mr. Green. Thank you for tuning in and uh, taking on another episode with me as we go down the to the land of WOW and do a, a recap of their last episode as of this recording. Uh, of course, if you tuned in... You very likely saw the thumbnail, I would imagine so. You're on YouTube. is a very visual product. And so you know that there was an injury that took place. I don't think I'm spoiling anything or, or uh, breaking any new ground here. Uh, for that matter, if you haven't seen it, you can find the match. It's, it's not like it's hidden. It's on the, the WOW uh, YouTube channel. It, it's not like it's some sort of gnarly, spectacular injury like you're going to go, Ugh, you know, you got to turn away. But it can be uncomfortable uh, depending on uh, how you view uh, neck injury and concussions and, uh, you know, things like that. I would hope that is not a concussion. And the person I'm talking about in this particular instance is Ariel Sky. But we will get to all of that. Um, I think I have to try to maintain some order and i'll try to get through it as fast as we can so we can go right off into the uh, uh the review of wow but you know there's a it's not quite as deep as it was a week ago but we have other wrestling news and i think we should address some of those things um one i am going to suggest to you that you go and, and you know what matter of fact i might have to take the article from fightful and put it on the wpn site so it'll be easier for you if you see a link here <laughs> that means i did everything that i just thought about right now but um there is a young lady a wrestler that works under the name of rachel rose um who apparently was released shall we say from ring of, ring of honor I'm so used to ROH. <laughs> ROW is what I wanted to get out, and reality of wrestling is the promotion. So, um, I have, because the contents of this article is so long, because Fightful really 
And I got to give him credit. FIFO did a, a, a fantastic job detailing as much information about the situation as they could. Um, I will try to sum summarize it. But I, again, I am going to suggest that you read this on your own time. It is, it is fairly lengthy. It's not like it's going to take you days to do it. But it is a very detailed account of uh, what Rachel Rose says led to her departure. Or as they title it, her firing. Uh, from Booker T's reality of rustic promotion and and it stems from her being stalked and I think that is where the the crux of the issue lies and I am not trying to put blame or fault on her Booker T or the promotion of reality of rustic however <clears throat> I can certainly understand how Rose would feel um with just some kind of way about how she was cut loose from that. So the way I understand it, and I will, I'm honestly, I'm going to go read, reread this again uh, when I get off. But the way that I understand it, Rachel Rose had a stalker who I am, if I read this correctly, is someone who worked there also at some point in time. Uh, Reed is his last name. I'm trying to see if I can find the first name here. <clears throat> but uh, they have him listed as Reed throughout the entirety of this article that Fightful wrote. So in any case, um, whoever this person is claimed that Rose had manipulated him. This is this is a quote. Manipulated him into thinking she was single despite it being widely known in the company that she was in a long-term relationship. Um, and yes, this person apparently was, or I, I can't imagine that he would still be rushed. Sean Reed, that's his name, Sean Reed. I can't imagine that anybody would pick him up and he would still be rustling somewhere after displaying this type of behavior. But, you know, stranger things have happened, so let's, let's continue. So anyway... His statement is that he was led to believe that she was something that she's not. And apparently, as I understand it, he had been showing up in places that he knew that she would be. Russell's go out to eat afterwards, you know, at a certain uh, bar slash restaurant. He just appears there or, you know, stuff like that. And then at some point, there were threats. This is not something that, you know, is uncommon in these type of situations when they, they stalker, I guess we'll call them for lack of a better term, uh, feels rejected or what have you. Then is then the, uh, the result or, or the solution in their mind is just to, well, I just hurt everybody. Um, one of the things here or one of the incidents that was brought up is, Rose is saying that she communicated her situation on a number of occasions with reality wrestlers, uh, reality of wrestling officials, uh, having Reed removed from the venue and things like that. Um, she was told to notify the, the police, and she had done that as well. Booker T, as the article states, I'll, I'll give this uh, paragraph and maybe one other one. Booker T was not aware of the situation or Reed himself. Encountered Reed in the parking lot. 
The claim from the talent at Reality Wrestling was that Reed had made threats on himself as well as implied to Booker directly he'd considered attacking others at the school, with some claiming that he mentioned shooting up the venue. We're told that Booker walked Reed back into the venue after he had been ejected and what he claimed was an effort to calm Reed down and prevent him from doing anything crazy. Okay, so I don't think anything is necessarily wrong with that. Like he, he was trying to defuse the situation, but I do think the end result is probably where she is having a... She being um, Rachel Rose... I think that is where she is having the issues here because in her view, she's being punished for somebody who was stalking her. So uh, I hope that's not the case. Like I said, I I am absolutely suggesting to anybody that's listening to this that wants to know more about it. You need to go and, and read this a report that Fightful has listed. Uh, again, very detailed. Uh, and has quotes from Rose. Uh, they did reach out to one of the officials at Reality Wrestling. They reached out to Booker T. Um, they did say that Booker responded. The, the uh, officials did not, particularly the one <clears throat> that suggested that Sean Reed go and train slash Russell in a, another promotion that was listed as Premier. Um, I think the problem with that was is that I believe Rose had said that she worked for Premier and, and everybody knew that. So it was didn't really help things. So if we scroll down here to where she was released and I used the term released. Uh, it was largely listed as, as again, as I understand this, as a means to nullify the situation. <laughs> that, that's, that's the only way I can really describe that. Um, here's a paragraph that's, that's kind of addressing that. Rose told Fightful that Reality of Rustin claimed that there was a trespass warrant for Sean Reed after December, but that the police confirmed in the report that wasn't the case. Okay, I'm going to stop there. That right there is disappointing. Especially if they say, oh yeah, we signed, we got a police warrant for his arrest and they never did it. Because apparently, you know, Fightful reached out to the police and they said, no, there is no arrest warrant for him. So that's very disappointing, but I'll continue. Rose claims that she was told by ROW they would have armed security and cameras to help prevent issues, which she says also didn't end up happening. Rose said that upon speaking with Booker T after the incident that she was fired from reality wrestling, which she felt wasn't justified. She felt as if she was effectively cut from the company due to having a stalker in which she had warned the company about. Those familiar with the situation claim she was blamed for causing problematic, causing the prom- problematic personality to be around, even though he'd been warned numerous times to stay away. Fightful made contact with Booker T, and he did confirm that Rose was fired from ROW, citing internal reasons that he wouldn't elaborate on. 
He also confirmed that the incident at Sturgarden Tavern took place, and it was of his opinion that the ROW talent should have distanced themselves from Sean Reed instead of confronting him. That was something they addressed earlier in the article, so just so you know. <clears throat> Continuing on. ROW talent present and past that we spoke to said that Reed was well aware that the talent would be there and believed that he did it intentionally as a result. It being showing up there un- unannounced and uninvited. As like I said earlier, uh, apparently, and I know some wrestling schools do this just for camaraderie's sake. I mean, I mean, Robert Gibson's APCW used to do that quite a bit. You know, you get finished with the show, everybody puts everything up. Hey, guys, we're going out to so-and-so. And, you know, and, and everybody kind of converges on there and they, you know, celebrate the great night they had. Uh, so this being a thing, them going to a particular location after the show is not surprising. Also not surprising that if you have somebody there that is familiar with that, they may just, I mean, it's a public location. They can't stop them from being there. They could have gone to a different place, but yeah, they can't just stop him from like showing up at the restaurant. Um, I gotta see where I left off. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we can confirm that we heard this story from. I think I need to go back a little bit more. Sorry. Uh, Booker insisted that the timing of this story emerging was due to a meeting at their January 13th reality arresting show that related to loyalty among the wrestlers. We can confirm that we heard of this story after Booker T and Reality of Wrestling told their talent that they didn't want their wrestlers working other independent companies in Houston. Booker was also curious as to why it took a year for the story to emerge, which Rose said was because she feared possible retaliation from Reed and finally felt safe sharing the story. Booker called the issue a non-story and pointed to Reality of Wrestling's track record of having of not having similar stories emerge from their company. This is in quotes. Booker screamed and cursed at me when he arrived on the scene while I was talking to the police at the December incident that this was my fault and I'm the reason people got hurt and arrested, Rose said. Ah, uh, it's it's a lot that's going on there. It's it's really a lot that's going on there. Um, I, I will finish up with her last quote here, so we can move on. <clears throat> Rose told Fightful, "Overall, I hope what comes out of this is Booker, along with the people placed in charge at his school, implement procedures and protections to ensure all threats are taken seriously in the future." Should they continue to not make the student safety their priority, I hope at the very least any women who train there or are looking for a place to train see this and are able to make an educated decision before they put their safety into the hands of reality of wrestling. That is a uh, very, in my view, very telling statement of how she feels about the company because it's not like she said any school, she named Reality Wrestling by name. Uh, no, nobody should be feeling uh, uncomfortable and threatened and, you know, unsafe going to a wrestling school or any place for that matter. I I hope that whatever it is that's going on with this, it gets straightened out. I would imagine that Rachel Rose will probably be fine. She seemed like an indie standout. Her losing reality of wrestling, I do not feel is going to damage her personally 
considering that she's already appeared on, you know, a couple of indie promotions throughout Texas, AEW Dark, and, you know, of course, by proxy of AEW Dark, Ring of Honor TV. <clears throat> so she probably will continue on and do fine and have a career. She just may not be able to work with Rihanna Wrestling any longer, but or or you know what? And maybe she will because wrestling makes for strange bedfellows. You know, sometimes it's some it's time, it's distance, is the situation is changing. So she may just need to leave and and float around a little bit and go to a couple other promotions, build up the name of Rachel Rose, and then by the time you know she rolls back around to Houston, they may be begging her to come back. Who knows? But the important part of this story here is that a young lady was being stalked and made to feel uncomfortable. And for whatever reasons, the management decided that it was easier to cut her loose rather than do something else. But, And I will reiterate, this is the surface level of this story. I suggest reading it in full before you make your decisions or, you know, how you feel, how dare Booker T. Because uh, it could be something deeper than that. I, I didn't decipher that myself when I read through it, but you may. Um, it, it is, uh, it's not an easy decision to, or easy thing to be the boss. It's not. But at the same time, and I will admit this is totally hindsight. If I were in his shoes, I probably would have said something along the lines of, we have to put you on hiatus until we get the situation under control, and I'll, I'll pay you for it. And I will suggest to you that you go and wrestle in, in you know, any other place that you can go. Matter of fact, I would suggest if you can get out of the state to, to build your name, go ahead and do it. I will personally sign a letter of recommendation for you, you know, because – his name and recommendation would go a long way. Let's let's just be honest. If he if he said no, this girl's ready to rock and roll right now. There's promoters that would leap at that. That's the least I think. He would, I mean, and uh, this is just me talking now. Like I said, I wasn't in that situation. I've had time to move, you know, mull over it. Uh, that's the best I think they could do. If he felt like she had to go, I don't know if I would list it as a firing rather than. Let's try to get you someplace else and get you out of this dangerous situation so that you can continue to do what you need to do. The door is left open for you. I will pay you until we can get you sit, situated someplace else. And at the same time, you know, once we do have it under control, and if you do get out there, you'll probably make a bigger name for yourself. Then you can come back and then we can make some money. So, you know, that's just, that's just my two cents on that situation. Uh, former WWE Divas champion, Maurice, has revealed that she's been diagnosed with borderline uh, ovarian tumors. Uh, that is disappointing to hear, but I, but fortunately, I think that she has uh, taken care of that situation. She did post... On uh, her, what was this? Was this Twitter? Well, Twitter X, uh, whatever social media is that. Which one this is? And she she posted 
a photo of her and her uh, surgical scars. Looks like these things were removed. And she has a long story <laughs> that's listed there also, so I'm not going to read all of that. Needless to say, it is a uh, very thankful post. We will we will put it that way. She she seems like she she is grateful and thankful. She she went to a OGBYN and found that these things were there, and apparently she got it re- removed. So uh, good on her. I hope that it remains fine. Uh, but the first thing that she has there is that all, not all superheroes wear capes. Here's, here's a superhero I want to take the time to highlight. Her name is uh, Theus Alibatna. Good grief! I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not even gonna try to read that. That's I. I apologize to this doctor because I will butcher your name. But anyway, this is a post of thanks for Maurice for this being found and taken care of because apparently this is a form of precancer. So I can imagine that this was very scary, and. Very, uh, she's probably very, very grateful that someone was there to find, treat, and take care of this. So, good for you, Maurice. Uh, I'm sure her wrestling days are done, but this is far beyond wrestling. So, yeah, good, good on her that she has this, and and her superhero who wasn't in a cape saved her. Um. Not a real big story, but the final match in, in TNA for Trinity took place. Uh, her tagging along with Jordan Grace. I believe I brought that up before, but, you know, I just, I like Trinity. And, I, and I've and i grown to enjoy TNA. I keep saying that because every time I watch I'm like, man, this is, this is a good show. I really hope that the removal of Scott Demore does not change this. Now I'm nervous about it. I, I know the next probably two shows are still underneath the the more regime so i i'm i'm i hope that they don't screw this up they they were doing so well they were doing so well and building so much momentum i uh, they were never going to overtake AEW and they were never going to overtake WWE but it was just nice to have just a really good quality wrestling program and they they removed the silliness you know, the for the bulk of it, like I didn't see anything about anybody being resurrected from the dead or reincarnated or teleporting or going to another dark dimension or whatever. They actually had wrestling and the wrestling that made sense. I I couldn't praise it enough. Anyhow, um, I don't know if I want to go into a whole lot of time on it, and I, I probably won't because there's so many people that's covering this right now, but... I don't think any podcast, mine included, especially as it relates to it affecting the women on their roster, I don't think any podcast can talk about this or not talk about it. Vince McMahon and his sexual predatory practices on individuals, including the female wrestlers. The reason I am bringing this up now is because Ashley Massaro's name has been brought into the news lately because of all of these things. Her being a notable alleged, we, we will we will stick with legality here, alleged victim 
to all of these things. One of her best friends appeared on a news outlet and started telling uh, the host of that show, what is News Nation, not a channel that I, that I watch. I didn't even know it existed, quite honestly. But somebody posted a clip, and she talked about um, Ashley and, and the situation that she was facing. Did she believe that all of these things kind of led into the depression that pushed her into suicide? Um, not even knowing the woman, I, I sat here and I was like, yeah, probably did. And, of course, she feels the same way. And when you hear these stories, it is heartbreaking. There is no other way to put that. It is absolutely heartbreaking. That not only did this take place, but the company that you're basically putting your trust in has decided that, well, no, this our relationship with the military is more important than you being assaulted. So don't say anything about it because it might hurt our, our, you know, our chances to maintain this partnership. That's disgusting. Well, it's even more so is that when she goes into talking about how uh, Ashley said that she was, called by Vince McMahon at some point in the night and whatnot. And and then she asked Kevin Dunn what should she do, basically. And he essentially he just said, tell him that you're sick. And then just show up for TV. Which would imply to me that this is something that he was, he being Kevin Dunn, was somewhat aware of. I'm not going to say that he knew fully but he was probably somewhat aware that Vince has habits of doing things like this. If I if I were a guessing man, he probably has some inclination that, yeah, Vince likes to just tell me sick. But unfortunately, the rejection of that led to what Massaro described as Vince suddenly decided to start writing her promos, which were, in her words, designed to well, I'm not going to say on her words because I don't remember it verbatim. So let me rephrase that. I am going to paraphrase. Basically, those promos were there to sabotage her. Which, by all stories that we've heard about Mr. McMahon over the years, I don't know if I would find any of that shocking. That he would be petty like that. I mean, I've watched the WWF grow into the WWE and I've seen, especially once he got into... Mr. McMahon years, he would do things like that just, you know, in his world just to get even. The IRS comes out to him, okay, I'll make a heel wrestler called Erwin Arshyster. Things like that. <laughs> like in his mind, that does that gets even. My biggest stars, Hogan and Savage, leave me, okay, then I'll do the Nacho Man and the Huckster. You know, JR's uh, having a colonoscopy, so look, we'll do the Mr. Heine skit, and we'll I'll I'll stand here and pull crap out of his out of his butt. It, it just things like that, and I mean those are just the ones that came off the top of my head. There are more. <laughs> there there's so many more, much so much more. 
Like, you know, John Cena and uh, who was it? Uh, was it Jericho, I think? But Cena and somebody else had to go approach Vince McMahon about, look, you don't need to have Lita do a live sex celebration on TV. He's, by all accounts, he was kind of dead set on, no, y'all actually need to do it. This is what I, what people have read, including me. So, a sad, sad, terrible situation. And I can only imagine that being involved in that had some, some level of effect towards how it ultimately ended. Keep in mind that Masara was a mother. I do not know how old her child would have been at the time. But you have to be in a very, very bad place to come to the conclusion that my child no longer needs me or they'll be better off without me. Or whatever puts you in the mindset that you could feasibly decide to remove yourself from that child's growth. And I'm not pointing a finger out. I'm just saying that it's, it's a very hard battle to fight. The reason I say that is because one of my best friends, he had that. Now, what he had in his situation, uh, unfortunately, it did not seem that she had in hers. And that his wife and and I love you, B. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to put out any names. Uh, but his wife, she she basically had him taken away to, to like to a hospital, and upon condition of the doctors getting him under control, he was going to stay there because she was like, no, you, you, she saw. And in fairness to him, he's he's diagnosed bipolar, so I don't, I don't know if uh, Masaro's in the same was in the same category I'm just using this as an example of when people get into these dark dark places like that sometimes it's it's hard it's very it becomes very very hard to see that light that you're that you're trying to get towards and the fact that he was married had a wife there the fact that he had two daughters there in that moment it didn't matter anymore he was just done and he was strongly considering getting, you know, doing some drastic stuff, which is why she's like, nope, nope, well, that's not happening. When she she took him took him away and left him in, you know, of course, it wasn't just, here you go and I'll see you when you're done. I mean, they, you know, she was a loving wife and she, she did what she could to keep him there. And he's still here today because of that, because of her. He has her to thank his life for. Ashley Massaro unfortunately did not have someone there to to do that or if she did they weren't they didn't see the signs or whatever reasons prevented them from it i'm sure her friends and her family regret that every day but the more of this that comes out i mean because she released this letter and, and you have to find it you have to find and read it but she released this letter just detailing all these terrible things on top of what we've already heard about Vince McMahon, this just makes it worse. And I, you know, and I'll I'll leave it on that is that um 
I hope, because I'm sure she wasn't the only one. I'm positive she wasn't the only one. He just decided that day that, uh, Ashley, I got to have her. There's been some other people in that, that locker room and that women's roster who have either dealt with, rejected, or otherwise encountered Vince McMahon in, in these scenarios. I would tend to believe that. And I think that this story is only going to just, you know, snowball more. So anyhow, uh, is there any other wrestling news that I, that's in the women before we go in there? Outside of, and I do not watch Ring of Honor because it's behind a paywall. If I've not had to ever pay for Ring of Honor up until this point, and I do not intend on changing that now. But they have a Ring of Honor women's TV title bracket uh, tournament, and the brackets have been revealed. So, for those of you who are somewhat interested in the bracketing of, of Ring of Honor, and that I don't know why are they having a women's TV world championship to begin with. Anyhow. Um, it appears that it's going to be Kira Hogan taking on her partner, Diamante, Billy Starks going against, uh, one of the Renegade twins. I believe that's Robin Mercedes Martinez going against Trisha Dora, Viva Vam taking on Abaddon. Uh, that's where she's been now. Okay. Uh, Rachel Ellering against legit Layla Hirsch, Red Velvet, another one from, uh, AEW that's kind of migrated to Ring of Honor. I can't even see who that is. I may have to skip that one <laughs> because it, the, the print is so small, I can't tell. Uh, J-Rod has been eliminated by Queen Aminata. And who is that? That is Taya Valkyrie. And again, I, I will apologize because I cannot see who that is. Oh, Sussy Love. That's who that is. All right. So I'm going to go with Ty Valkyrie in that one. <laughs> It'll be interesting if, if if love gets over, but Sussy Love. And, oh, yeah, uh, Sandra Moon. That's who I could see. Red Velvet taking on Sandra Moon. So they have a bracketed tournament. It's an interesting set of brackets, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bracketed tournament. And I will say this. <clears throat> if there's one thing that AEW slash Ring of Honor slash Tony Khan is is good about doing, even if he overdoes it, is tournaments. He he overdoes the tournaments, but I don't expect for Kira Hogan to get to the second round, get bumped off, and then just re-enter herself in the first. Yeah, I don't I don't think anything stupid like that. You'd have to be an idiot to do something like that. I can't imagine what moron would. We'll make a tournament, put brackets on the screen, and decide that, well, they just got out. Well, it's a fluid tournament. They could just pop back in it. Uh, that would just take the act of a complete imbecile. Speaking of that, <laughs> speaking of that, I think we have to go into uh, the review for Women of Wrestling. Uh, and by the way, um, one last note, Ash by Elegance is set for her in-ring debut on February 22nd. So it's right around the corner. Ash, and I, I will also admit that her little uh, personal hype man announcer, I find him very entertaining. 
So for those who thought that Dana Brooke didn't get an opportunity and maybe she'll be able to produce something else elsewhere, now's your chance. Go find uh, uh, TNA Wrestling and, and watch the debut of Ash. I will be looking at it myself. So we are now going into the review of the show, and I think it's fair to say that this show has a large shadow over it. Uh, which sucked the air out of the show in and of itself. But we will get into that, and I will try to do a fair review, despite the fact that they had this big incident that took place like right at the beginning of it. So, so this air date was February 10th, 2024. Episode 74. Seasonally speaking, that'll be 222. And the title of the episode is Ozzy, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. Very witty. The first segment was Abilene Maverick kicking off the show. I wrote down that Nigel Zane was announced as David McClain's sidekick. It's not really important, but I just found that funny. I was like, the sidekick? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be a sidekick because I am your co-host. So cut me some slack. But anyhow, no, that, that wasn't, uh, wasn't anything important. I just felt like it was worth bringing up for my amusement. Um, the commentators recap on how Maverick won the championship. A you suck chance starts during her promo. David McClain, while she's in the ring, attempted to cut a promo, and the crowd is going, you suck, which I'm – Completely assuming that one of them little hype guys in the wild shirts on the side is getting the crowd started up doing that, but you know I, I don't know that to be true. That's just my guess. But David McClain gets up and reinforces to the crowd, "Be silent." She's trying to talk or whatever the case. And I wrote then, I was like, "Okay, is he a heel announcer or not? He shouldn't be doing that. Why would David McClain, as the commentator?" Get up on the behalf of the, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the lead heel of the promotion. And then basically chastise the crowd for saying you suck. That I didn't understand. I was like, why would he do that? Every week, I make some statement about Dave McClain needing to trim down the things that he does. And that he should be an unbiased party to this situation. When he does things like this, it is not unbiased. He is now enforcing for Abilene Maverick. And it's not like he did it in some sort of sarcastic way to to try to encourage the crowd to keep going. Because we've seen that. We've, not here, not on WOW, but we've seen that. we said, okay, guys, settle down. She hates it when you say you suck, so let's not do that. It wasn't like that. It was like he was telling her, hey, shut up. He might as well have just said it. So if that was what he was intending to do, he didn't do it well. And if he was doing it to try to aid Abilene Maverick, then it doesn't make any sense. He's He is supposed to be an unbiased party. That is how David McClain had been, well, more or less, he had been presented that way. So I don't know why it would just suddenly change here and why he would get up for her. 
And then she's like, thank you, David. You know, so it it all blended into like he was his her personal ring announcer or something. That's not something he needs to be doing. That should be cut out. But this is also what happens, you know, when you are the top of the food chain in your own company and you just, and you can just make decisions like that at random. Like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to yell at the people. It, it, didn't, it didn't do anything for me. And it just seemed out of place. Before I continue, I will say this about a lot of the review that I give. Oftentimes, it is leaned on how much sense does it make in the wow universe? The universe and the rules that they set, how much sense does this make within that universe? Very rarely do I get on there for just the match unless the match is just horribly bad or they do some egregious thing within it that I, that you have to address. You know, somebody taking the move wrong or botching this or why did they pull this out? You know, things like that that didn't really work within the context of what was going on, which more on that later when we get to the tag team match or the truckers and uh, Miami Sweet Heat. But, but it's not a case of, hey, this person sucks and that person sucks and why are you doing this? You know, it is, there's a disconnect with continuity for a multitude of reasons I'm sure and then there's a disconnect in what certain people are doing and how they're doing it and David McLean is included in that rather than him being a backdrop to the situation he and when he decides to make his presence known he becomes the forefront of it forces himself out like no one asked him to get up and do that he just got up because the, because a wrestling crowd started chanting, you suck. I mean, just think about that. Because a pro wrestling crowd decided to start chanting to the heel that you suck. The lead commentator, the matchmaker, the general manager, the executive producer, the, the lead interviewer, he got up and decided, hey, gosh, be quiet. She's trying to talk. She wants you silent. So... No, it, that that's that should not be happening uh, going forward. And I'm sure they're not going to listen to me, but it shouldn't be happening going forward. So anyhow, <clears throat> the promo is essentially there just to push the main event. The main event being Abling Maverick giving the title shot to Princess Ozzy, which honestly has no fire to it whatsoever. I if, if if I didn't watch this match or this episode, I would have never known that Princess Ozzy was getting a title shot. There was no build to this. There was nothing that was set up for like I you know I got to get my shot back or this that and the other. None, none of those things happened. It was just and tonight, fans, it's Princess Ozzy versus Abilene Maverick. Maybe they put it into the last episode in the in the little uh, slate that they do that leads into the next week. But outside, and I don't even think it was in that, quite honestly. But outside of that, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt that they said that he did. But outside of that, there was there was no build to this. It was it just it just was, it just was a match. 
So it was hard to get into it. But again, more on that later. Next segment, the segment of infamy here. It is the Brat Pack taking on what WoW has labeled them as the new new team spirit. That was ridiculous. Now, I don't think they said it on the show, but yeah, they, if you go on the YouTube page, that's how they list them as the new new team spirit. Yeah, okay, fine. This version of Team Spirit has Pep Riley, Sasha Sparks, and Ariel Sky with Coach Campanelli now acting as the manager. And, of course, the Brat Pack is Lil J Boogie, um, BK Rhythm, Gigi Gianni. So before we go into the match, I, I want to say something about, <laughs> about J Boogie. Because she actually is a dancer. I know. It, it, it's, it's shocking to me, too. But she actually is a dancer. Jalen Aguilar is her name. And she has a dance reel that she has with uh, some routines, stuff that she's done in dance studios and things like that. How she can dance this well there and be so bad at it on WOW is mind-blowing. And I'm going to assume that it will probably get better as time goes on, but if, if WOW had any willingness to keep her credibility as a dancer alive, they would have never shown her that, that dance off that she had with Chantilla Cella on their show. They would have never shown that because that didn't show her in the best light whatsoever. Can she dance if you go and look at her other stuff? Yes. Yes, she can. It's almost like two different people. Now, granted, that's in a dance studio. Her as Lil' J Boogie is in a ring. And it's probably not the, the most conducive environment for her to be doing that type of stuff. If I were going to say, let's showcase J Boogie as a dancer, then I'm going to set up the segment where she can do that. Not necessarily in a ring unless we can get her to do this in the ring and she can be efficient at it. Otherwise, I don't want her doing it because first impressions last. And the first impression that they had, her not only did they let her get in there and stumble over herself dancing, they put it on camera. And they didn't edit it down. They didn't say, do it again, and we'll just cut in the other one. You know, this was shot in December. They had the weeks to be able to fix that. And truthfully, most people would have never known if they just said, hey, go back in there and, and do your dance number. We'll just cut it in or, so, or whatever the case may be. Or get the referee to tell her, like, do the spot again and be smooth this time or something. But <laughs> I felt it important to bring that up that because I, I gave her a hard time about that, and I still don't. And all due respect to Jalen. I, I will give respect that she is a dancer as Jalen Aguilar. As Lil J Boogie, there's something that needs to be fixed. 
So make of that what you will. Anyway, this match probably went all of like three, three and a half minutes, maybe four. Not long at all before, you know, they had problems. This was supposed to have been a tournament match for the lackluster trios championship because that thing is taking a backseat to all sorts of crap. It's taking a backseat to injury. It's taking a backseat to end fighting and, and groups. It's taking a backseat to new members being thrown in. The championship or the or the, the tournament and the trophy do not seem to be the thing that is driving this tournament. It's just all those little things around it. So, BK Rhythm does her normal opening rap. And, I mean, there's really nothing else to be said about that. This match also is now got a second person debuting in Sasha Sparks. We already had Pep Riley have her debut in a six-person tag, so now we got somebody else who's having a debut in a six-person tag. And that's a hard hill to climb just on his own. We're going to debut you with five other people in the ring. It's hard to get this across why we care about Sasha Sparks or why we should care about Pep Riley when they're just part of this conglomerate or this this group of people. So, anyhow, why you would debut a new person mid-tournament, and that's the other thing. It's not like she came in at the beginning. They just tossed her in now. Every match that Team Spirit is going to have is going to have a different lineup of Team Spirit members. That much I think we can pretty much settle on. They're, they're, they're heading in that direction. Every time that they've been in this tournament, it's just, they're going to swap and switch. This is supposed to be the babyface team. And they haven't instituted any Freebird rule, but you know, I guess whatever. It's not like babyfaces haven't used it before, but we we will see. Uh, Sasha Sparks works as J.C. Love on the Independents. She doesn't work as a cheerleader, mind you, but she's she works as a uh, you know just a standard wrestler and and probably has a little bit more of an edge to her. I listened to her do one of her promos as J.C. Love, and I was like, well, this is far better than anything I saw her do on Wow. Just just in this uh, minute of her talking, it was it was a far more natural thing rather than when we saw her as Sasha Sparks show up there. And basically just kiss Coach's butt in a nondescript cheerleader. And that's the only reason that she got that, because she did work as a cheerleader somewhere. So that, so I'm sure Dave McClain fixated on that. Like, ah, we'll just add you in the team spirit. J.C. Love has already been uh, on NWA television. She's wrestling uh, pretty well, I think, in most of Florida. Um so, not super experienced, but probably better than some of the other people that they have there. From what I can tell, I think her wrestling journey started in 2021. 
So I think we can put her at a solid two years worth of work that she has underneath her. Unfortunately, this match is not the match to illustrate that. Pep Riley, on the other hand, is not a wrestler at all from what I can see. She's a stunt woman. So I'm sure that she's willing to take the bumps and the bruises and, you know, the the possible hurt that would come along with wrestling. But as far as wrestling is concerned, on his own, she doesn't have that background. She is just, well, well, I I don't want to put it that way because that minimizes it, but she is a stunt woman slash actress. It, that goes back to everything that's been said about a lot of the people that's on wild. You can teach people to do the moves. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will make a good wrestler. Because then, you know, are they going to think about this in terms of <clears throat> what what would I be doing if this was real? What would I be doing if I was actually trying to succeed and win this match? I don't think that that's there with her yet. I think that she and I have nothing to base this on, so take it with a grain of salt. I think that she is one of the people that if you laid the match out for her, like, hey, we're going to do this, 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 and this, she would just memorize it and do it. That's what I think that she's at with her wrestling career. But, yeah, I, all of that to say is, Wow has an interesting hodgepodge of experience levels. And I know when they said that on TV with them before, they they said that like it was a good thing. Like, oh, yeah, we got people from all over. Some people who've been wrestling for 20 years. Some people were wrestling for six months. I don't know if that's necessarily what I would be proud of unless that person who was wrestling for six months just is an absolute phenom or something. like. And you do get that. I mean, let's not... Let's not discount that. There's some people who haven't wrestled at all who got into it and like just took to it like a duck to water. Gianni, I don't think, has any sort of wrestling background to her other than her being in WoW. I have not been able to find that. If you have it, then show me. I, I would love to see it. But <clears throat> I don't think that she has any background beyond WoW. But she also does not wrestle a style that... Uh, she wouldn't be able to handle right now is is very i can't even really say it without sounding it i'm not trying to be insulting but is is essentially pretty basic and she's one of those people that and i've said it with a few and i will add her into that list i think that wrestling for her elsewhere all due respect to wow her wrestling somewhere else and getting the experience of being in another wrestling ring with other people and having to think about what she's doing, when she's doing it, and how she's doing it, the psychology, if you will, would help her a lot. I think that she has the means to get there. Whether she will do it or not, time will tell. So anyhow... I guess we should cover the short match. The match starts off with Sasha Sparks getting in the ring with BK Rhythm. They had the, the respective starts for their, their two teams. Um, Rhythm being, uh, I would think, the most experienced of the six 
Because I don't think Campanelli had any wrestling experience before then. I, Pep Riley, I'd already just addressed. Aero Sky's about a year, a little bit more. Uh, the, 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 the Sasha Sparks had just talked about probably good two. Boogie and Boogie probably has none. Gianni has about as much as she's been given within this show. So even though she's maybe wrestled for two years, she probably has like 10 matches underneath her. So make of that what you will. So of all of the people here, I would say that Rhythm is is the most experienced. I don't know if that if she's good enough to help carry the entirety of a six-person tag, but, you know, it is what it is. So anyhow, Sparks gets in, and she does some nice head scissors and then a, a, another body scissors into an arm drag. I mean, it's, if I can borrow a line from the great Brian Last when he was talking about AEW wrestlers, because I think it fits here to some degree, this was like an aggressive tumbling routine. At least for between Sasha Sparks and seeing Pep Riley, it was like an aggressive tumbling routine. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to flip over you. I'm going to get your head scissors in. I'll make a tag. Then Pep Riley comes in. She'll do a cartwheel. Then she'll jump on you. It was seemingly a lot of moves to be able to show that I can do the moves. Like, there was no real reason for her to do a cartwheel and her being Pep Riley. But she just did it just to, you know, put herself in a position to come off a, a uh, uh, high, I can't say high cross, a low cross body. And she, she always has a very stern look on her face. I, I don't know. I don't know if she's concentrating on what she has to do next or she's just trying to figure out, okay, uh, I got to look mean and aggressive or whatever. Boogie is the opposite of that, where she almost always looks like she has some smile on her face. And she's just constantly dancing around and whatnot. I was like, I, uh, she doesn't come off as, as a wrestler to me. She just comes off like, all right, this is the character that I'm playing. And even when she's in trouble, she is. there's a smile there. If you look at the, the clip of where Sky gets injured, and we'll get to that, just before she goes out, it's like Boogie's smiling after she takes a hit. and It's, it's almost like she's like, oh, my gosh, that, that hurt. Ha, ha, ha. Let me roll out. It's, uh, it's, it's just silly. And I don't know where she's trying to go with this. The team of the Brat Pack is supposed to be healed, but we've not established that with Jay Boogie, nor, nor has she really done anything that would place her in a position of being a heel. Pep Riley seems like she's there to just be thrown and bumped around, and that might make sense considering that she's a stunt woman. Maybe they're just like, all right, well, you just sit there and take the moves. Gianni put uh, Pep Riley down in the safest way possible. She ain't spike her into the match. She, she got her down, and then I was, you know, like, all right, I'm just going to ease you down as best way as I can and make it look like I slammed you. Uh, so Riley is in here and she is taking the bulk of of the uh, pain, bruise, and agony. BK Rhythm got him in what looked like it was going to be a sidewalk slam. Then she just kind of threw her down. Uh, she, she being BK Rhythm, gave maybe the most aggressive 
looks of somebody like I'm trying to actually win this than anybody in the ring. And I guess that goes back to, well, she is the, the veteran of the pack. Um, She throws Riley into the turnbuckles, charges in, gets caught with a, a boot. Riley then comes off with the uh, high cross body. Pep Riley makes the tag to Ariel Sky, who cartwheels herself into the ring and does a nice clothesline again. The cartwheels probably unnecessary. And that was the point where I'm like, Boogie looks like she just took the hit. Like, oh, my gosh, my back. I got to roll out of here. Ha, that was fun. You know, it doesn't seem like she has a lot of uh, urgency in her demeanor. Unfortunately, this is the point in the match where it went awry. Ariel Sky goes up to the second rope. She comes off on Gigi Gianni. She essentially looking to do a, a head scissors, but basically power bombed herself onto the mat without tucking her chin. So her shoulders and her back didn't take it. The back of her head did. And that kind of put her into where we got her uh, at this point, where she was loopy. I guess that's the best way to put it um i will also make a a statement for the R- scheinberg referee scheinberg because i give him a lot of crap i do because i and i'm not going to change my mind that i think in terms of and i say in terms of him uh calling the match he oftentimes seems like he's just allowing stuff to happen so just stands off in the corner, just constantly waving his arms like, hey, don't do that. Get down. No, hey, stop it. You know, that that seems to be his demeanor mostly. But he did the right thing here. And there are some people who like, oh, he took too long. No, he didn't. He did not take too long. Scheinberg got down there and started asking her, is she okay the moment that he noticed that? And he needs to be credited for that. He needs to be credited for um, making sure that she was okay. Like I said, he didn't waste any time there. There was no stall. There was no, let me stand back and look around. He got down there and he started asking, hey, are you all right? Grab, gets her hands, checks on her. And I'm sure, like a lot of wrestlers, Sky probably tried to power through that she probably tried to i'm okay i think i could do it just you know whatever the case be this is just me guessing i'm not in the ring i don't know but i know a lot of wrestlers tend to do things like that they're like oh no no i I can finish well she tried to finish and then that's where Schoenberg, i think noticed like okay no i'm stopping this and again good call on him and nobody in that locker room, Ariel Sky included, should be giving him crap over it. His job outside of the TV performance, and we're not talking about the TV performance, the, the referee's job in a pro wrestling environment still carries the real job of, let me make sure that no one here is killing each other or causing each other permanent harm or maiming the other person. That is what you're there to do. Not just play the part of it. You have, you get, it's a fine line, but they have to do it. So she gets up and she tries to get Gianni into the corner. She being Ariel Sky. Pronouns. I mean, Gianni was probably stalling for a while before that happened because she had a rear chin lock on her and whatnot. 
I don't know what Jay Boogie was doing because she was in the ring standing off in the corner for some reason. Scheinberg again, uh, like, hey, look, you got to go. Get out of the ring. So bravo to him on that for at least trying to implement some rules. Uh, This is where it gets – it's not nasty, but it's just awkward and just terribly, you know, uncomfortable to see her like this. She – Ariel Sky's balance is just a wreck at this point. She tries to get Gianni and shoot her off, but the rhythm there, the 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 balance that she had is just gone. The second that she spun around to shoot Gianni off into the ropes, which she went into the turnbuckle, she lost her balance and she had to tag out. And that was where Scheinberg came over there and he called the match. He does. He took it. He's like, "That's it. We're done." And to his credit, to his credit, right call, absolute right call to do. Sometimes you got to protect the performer from the performer. She was at a point that she could barely even get out of the ring on her own power. She she just I don't know if officially she was knocked out. I would that would be my guess. So, I mean, just basing it on what I see, I I don't have any reports in front of me that says, oh, yeah, she was concussed and this, that, and the other. But just basing on what I see, it doesn't look like she knew where she was, at least for a little while. I think she got it back at some point, but at least for a little while, it looked like her, her equilibrium was off. She couldn't really stand. When I see people that look like that, like there, there was a glaze over her eyes and her face. With like it was, she wasn't sweating profusely, but there was a there was a sweat there. And when I see people look like that, I'm like, oh man, they need to throw up or something. Like they look sick. And I'm not saying that she looked bad or you know that she was green in the face or anything like that. She just looked like if she had been trying to do any more moves, running around, spinning, doing all this stuff, she probably would have threw up in that ring. That's that's just my guess. And I don't mean to make light of it, but you know this is this is what where it was with her. And it's it was very obvious. Everybody that was in the room with me that saw it all felt like, ooh, oh man, did she really hurt herself? That was real, you know. So it wasn't any um surprise that they turned around like, okay, look, we gotta call the match. Uh there is always the argument of what do you do in this situation when you're the pro- promoter. But those decisions are made in an instant. The referee had to make that decision. Hey, we're, we're going to call this match. We're done. We'll, let's be, we'll be finished with this. And I agree with that decision. Now, if McLean decided that, oh, hey, let me pull you over to the side. We'll get the match restarted. We'll just swap, swap, ugh, sub out. Sky for Campanelli or something like that, then they probably could have done it. But that also is going to take away whatever angle or storyline that they were trying to present with Coach being kind of subbed out of her own group is would have been, you know, pretty much hung to dry. And I think that it may still be that way. Time will tell. But um the other thing that I've noticed with some comments that uh, people made about this is questioning whether it was a work. Uh, 
saying that, like I said before, that Scheinberg didn't get over there too soon. They, they felt like he was slow getting there. I, I, I honestly do not think that it was anything that anybody did. Things happen. Honestly, things happen. It, it's just, I know people do not regard wrestling as a sport, but it still contains a lot of sport element. And those things will happen in any competitive environment. Whether that's basketball, football, baseball, you name it. You know, the things go happen. You can have somebody who's a world-class pitcher. One day just be off and just nail somebody in the in the shoulder. <laughs> or or hit him in the shin, which doesn't feel good because they fired that thing like a rocket. But it doesn't mean that he was untrained and didn't know he just might have had a bad throw at that particular instance. My personal theory, and I'm only going off of what I see like everybody else. Sky and Gianni are about the same height. It's not to say that you can't do these moves to um, people that are your size or your height. However, given that she has, I, I'm trying to find the right word because I don't want to say lack of experience. She's She's been doing this for a while. I, let me put it this way. Given that she is not as an accomplished veteran as some of her colleagues within that roster. <clears throat> she may not have found what works for her in that situation. That situation being you have, you're doing a hurricanrana or a uh, head scissors to somebody who is basically the same size, which may not give you enough swing room when you come down to not hit the mat. This isn't the first time that she's done the move. And she's done it successfully a couple of times. Uh, so uh, this came off to me more like a miscalculation rather than an, a gross error in the ring. And it could have just been, you know, an error of seconds. You know, not something that was like, oh, you know, I, I stepped back or I didn't take it right or whatever. I don't think Gianni took it wrong. I don't think that Sky executed it wrong. It was just, for whatever reasons, between the two of them, the timing of that just did not work. And if I were somebody that was in that room with her later on to uh, give any advice if I was asked, I would say save it. Save that move for when you have somebody in there that can take it properly and give you what you need a chainsaw a beast uh holiday uh jesse jones you know notice everybody out named is taller than gianni and in some cases significantly stronger so they would be able to base you properly and you can do that and at the same time it's a move that is designed as a move of leverage when you're smaller, you have to be quicker. You got to do these leverage moves. You got to get things that will hurt the bigger opponent. With Gianni, it, it wasn't really necessary. Would it have looked cool? Yeah, it would have looked cool. But sometimes we do things in wrestling rings that are not necessary. I will tell this story and then I will move on. 
Um, and, and this is just to illustrate the point that sometimes even people who are experienced will do things and just not think about the circumstances or whatever the case may be, and, and they may hurt themselves. Um, when I was shooting for APCW, there was a tag team match that I was ringside for and covering. And getting to the point of it, it was the Dirty Blondes who went on to MLW for a brief period of time as part, part of Rob Fuller's stable. And they were taking on what was soon to become the Fight Club. At the time, they were the Carolina Fight Club. Without bringing up his name, because I, <laughs> well, I guess he, he wouldn't care at this point. Uh, Eric, you can go find this if you want. But, um, he had gained weight. I don't think I'm tell, telling anything that he's not aware of. He had gained weight at this point. And I, I didn't know that he was a smaller guy because this is like this third time maybe I've been around him. <clears throat> and, uh, but he could still do things that he was doing when he was a smaller guy, including doing a dive through the ropes. But in this particular instance, I think he had a knee brace on. And that brace did not work well. Either it was a very heavy uh, knee brace or a knee brace or a very heavy knee pad. Either way, what happened is that they got the uh, the opponents out of the ring and he was getting ready to do a dive. Ran off the opposite ropes, ran towards the ropes where the heels were, jumped through, and the knee brace hooked onto the second rope. Pulled him backwards and threw him down head first into the concrete. Knocked, you know, he didn't get knocked out cold, but it it did stop him much like what we saw here for a little while. This is where that wrestling experience will come into play because his partner essentially had to get themselves disqualified just to finish the match. Like he just started hammering out, took the fight with one of them off to the side and whatnot and just start brawling because whatever it is that we had planned is out the window now. And so it finished with a, a, a double count out, but you get the point of what I'm saying. At that point, and, and this needs to be uh, illustrated here to get the point across, that was 10 years of experience that he had before that match. 10 years. He had been doing that for what so this is not lack of experience. Things just happen sometimes. And it, I'm glad that he survived it. It was one of the nastiest things that I saw in front of me in the wrestling ring. Just, I mean, it was like hearing a watermelon splat open. And then, you know, of course, he gets up and he's bloody. He was able to get himself back together, and he had a, a good run with that promotion following that. He was one of their, their top tag teams, and then later on, one of their top heels. So I don't doubt that Ariel Sky will be able to come back from it eventually. And keep in mind, and this is the important part of this, that was done in December. This was taped in December. So I would imagine if there were any real hardcore consequences that came from this, we probably would have known about it by now. I would think so. But the match in and of itself what can you say? It was a no contest. You can't really judge it. I can't. Even, I really can't even judge this show. I mean, I would say this show was incomplete. I can't say it was good. I can't say it was bad. It's just you know, the show is what the show is. And I will reiterate: 
Scheinberg, the referee that I give the most grief to, did a phenomenal job in making sure that young lady was okay. So, bravo to him. Go watch some wrestling tapes with some other referees in it, but bravo to him. Wild comes back after the next segment, after the commercial, they're still checking on their sky. Uh, Dave McClain congratulates the ref for calling the match, and as he should. Like I said, I mean, I, I stand by that. If anybody in that backstage or whatever decide to give him grief, that's the point where somebody should step up and say, no, he did his job. <laughs> We'd let, we we could fix everything else, but he did his job. Her safety comes first. Now, they do have a, a clip of, of video, I guess, some of which did not take place on there. Well, you got Dave McClain at the commentating table. Like, you know, safety comes first. Let's make sure she's out of there before we get the next match in. And, you know, Ariel Sky, everybody. And then they start chanting Ariel, Ariel. So where this goes as far as WoW is concerned, we don't know. Because this all took place during the marathon taping. So I am going to guess that for the remainder of the episodes that they taped here, which is probably, what do we, uh, they probably start showing these tapings, I would say, by the beginning of this month, maybe. So, we probably wouldn't see Ariel again, maybe until the next set of tapings comes through. And if I'm guessing, that'll be the end of March, beginning of April. That should be about the timeline. I'm, I'm again. I'm guessing, and that would mean that she is going to be off Team Spirit for the next couple of weeks for the foreseeable future. Because I can't imagine that anybody with any sense would just put her back in like the next day. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, we're gonna let you unless unless she went to a hospital that night and she got clearance that night. If that happened, then that's a different issue. So, <clears throat> getting off of that, going to the next thing. And bear in mind that this incident pretty much ate up the show after a certain point. is because they kept coming back to it. And we'll address that also. Because there is a match that was advertised, at least as far as the press releases are concerned. And if you go to their media site, it's the match that they show. Not not the video, but the, the uh the pictures. It's a match that they showed that didn't make air. And I'll get to that in one moment. Um, so the segment next, following the congratulations of the ref, Wild goes into recapping the issues between the Mother Truckers and Miami Sweet Heat by showing the last few minutes of the four-way. I wrote down this is probably filler considering other earlier events, and that's exactly what it was because it wasn't like they showed a clip. They basically showed you Half of the match. Because the matches are never long. And the, and the clip was like three minutes or something along those lines. This became filler. The question is, why did it become filler? I don't know. The press release advertised Holiday had taken on Katrina Jenks. And that match did not air. Um, I, My best guess, when I see things like that, when they have a match that's like, okay, we're not putting this on. Because I can't see why they would not. 
You could have still gotten that match in there because I, I cannot possibly imagine that match was long. They probably very likely could have gotten that match in and shown it without uh, doing doing what they did, like taking this clip and the, the promo and, and, and filling out another quarter of the hour, recapping the injury when they could have had a fresh match in there. But my guess is is either out of sequence to anything that they were trying to do it was non-consequential and they wanted to cover this instead where it was just a cold match and it was Holiday and Katrina Jinx or the match was bad and they didn't want to air it. One of those three. So the next segment is Sweet Heat having a promo at the bottom of the wild steps talking about the issues with the truckers and they're going to get the frustrations out and they're not addressing the audience in this. They're just addressing each other which is kind of weird and we're eavesdropping because i i can never tell what it is that they're trying to do with this camera at the bottom of the wild steps sometimes they look at the camera and they're addressing us the audience we're saying hey this is what we're going to do and we're going to do it so and so and it's going to happen tonight and then they have moments like this where they're just talking to each other and it's like the camera isn't there so they have that and we're we're just kind of eavesdropping and they go back to blaming david mclean i this seems like it's becoming a running thing. It, it, it's happening more and more often where it's like, and hey, David McClain stopped us from doing this. And it's all David McClain's fault. David McClain, again, does not need to be all over the show like that. You know, but what is the payoff for them blaming David McClain? What can they do? They can't get him in the ring. And. He doesn't have a proxy to get in there for him. And if it did, what difference does it make? It's the same thing. He's never going to get in a situation, even if he had a proxy, where that proxy is going to lose anything significant for David McClain. So it's not like, well, we're going to put the wild promotion on the line against Lana Starr, who's been calling herself the executive, the true executive producer for 20 years. I can't imagine that's going to happen. If it does, then I'll I'll watch it and I, with morbid curiosity, but I I just don't see that as a thing. Uh this continues on, and it goes into Miami Sweet Heat taking on the Fabulous, uh, taking on the Fabulous, coming out with the other members of the Fabulous Four against the Mother Truckers now. This is another one of those things like I don't know who put this together or why they did this, but it and we're not talking about whether the match is good or bad. But we're talking about you putting a stipulation on here that is completely unnecessary. This is labeled as a no DQ match. So let's let's start with that. It is labeled a no DQ match, and you've got all five members of the Fabulous Four, you know, Lana Star included, coming out of the ringside. You got Miami Sweet Heat, Lana Star's out of the ringside with them. And then Vicky Lynn and Penelope Pink go sit at the commentating booth. This is now becoming redundant. It's almost like, you know, if something's going on with the Fabulous Four, they have to have one of their people sitting in the commentating booth. 
And when they do send to the commentator booth, it's an open invitation for them to attack the person after the match is done. Like, there's there's no surprise here because it's happened two or three times with them. They'll come in there, they'll sit down, they'll do that, and then, oh, well, but I got to do something. And then they'll go attack. It's not spread out enough for this to be surprising. The mother truckers charge the ring, and, you know, this kicks off with some level of aggression. I have to give them that. Although, in my view, the aggression is misplaced. It wasn't Miami Sweet Heat that did this to them. It was Vicky Lynn McCoy, and it was Penelope Pink. Those were the two that did the actual assault that they were talking about. Now, if you're just listening to the promo, the promo makes it sound like Miami Sweet Heat did it themselves, even though the video footage shows otherwise. So this takes place. You have to give the truckers credit for the aggression because they should have that. And I'm not going to go into the play-by-play, of it, but all of this is it's, it's a standard wrestling match. This is not a no-DQ match. The, the no-DQ stipulation only serves a singular purpose, and we will get to that later on. So Pink and Vicky Lynn go sit at the commentator booth, and it's, you know they're doing their guest commentator, and they're talking about cheating, even though this is supposed to be a no-DQ match, so I don't know what the cheating is supposed to be. I still love Vicky Lynn McCoy on the microphone. I think that she is fantastic as a heel commentator. I wish they would just go ahead and make her a heel commentator, especially while she's got the neck brace on and she's got an excuse. I mean, I know that would never happen because this is already taped, but but I wish they would have done it because she, it seems like it's just a, such an easy thing for her to do. And if they just let her do what she's doing, that she would get herself over and she would get the Fabulous Four over, and basically every other heel in that company. And she would probably get them all over just in how she talks. If it was her and Nigel saying, Nigel, the babyface announcer, and she's the heel. But that's not going to happen. So um, she's a great heel commentator, though. So anyway, uh, one of the high spots of the match, it wasn't finished for some reason, was uh, the coast-to-coast done by uh, Laurie. Or was it Laurie? I, I can't. I, I can never remember. Yeah, Laurie. Uh, the woman with the dark hair. She gets up on the top rope, and she goes from coast-to-coast, one turnbuckle to the next, and nails, uh, I was about to say Amazing Maria, but she doesn't go by Amazing Maria there. She is Big Rig Betty. It looked great on camera. You have to give her that. It looks fantastic on camera. Because the cameraman was in the absolute right place for this to happen. I don't know if she was supposed to be the legal person. I don't even know if she connected or not. Because of the way that the camera was set. But it looked fantastic. So anyway, uh, she comes off, flies, and, and... I guess it does help that the ring is smaller than the standard wrestling ring. So she was able to clear it a little easier. This is a match that should have been a little bit, a little bit more heat behind it. Although I much like the main event, I think it does suffer from the shadow of the incident that took place earlier in the, in the episode. These two are 
two of the most winningest teams that Wild's got. Mother Truckers very rarely lose. I mean, I think they've lost like twice in the, in the times they've been there. I had the record sitting in front of me on one of these earlier podcasts. But they very rarely lose. And then you talk about them in the ring with Miami Sweet Heat, who's been, you know, the two-time Wild champion, probably the longest or, or most proficient tag team champions that Wild's ever had. You know, I'm sure the Tonga Twins don't like hearing that, but, I mean, the facts are the facts. Miami Sweet Heat is probably the best tag team that that company has ever seen. And even they aren't, you know, exceptionally polished, but they get better every time they go in there. And that, and if they still are working on the indies, then they will continue to get better. So <clears throat> all of this leads to, and again, keep in mind, this is supposed to be a no disqualification match. No one's used any weapons. Everyone's tagging in and out. No one's just running in and doing anything. They're, they're talking about cheating on the on the uh, commentating. So I didn't understand. It's like, why is this supposed to be some sort of no DQ match? Nothing is happening here that needs this to be no disqualification. Everybody is following the rules. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, the mother truckers are following the rules. Miami Sweet Heat is following the rules. So then we get to the end of the match, and then we find out why they did this as a notice qualification match. Big Rick Betty makes the tag out to Holly Swag. Holly comes off the top rope, gets a double crossbody on both members of Miami Sweet Heat, and then she goes into the old cleanup routine. She's taking on them both, all right? And she's doing a good job with it. She goes for the cover on Laurie. Lindsay breaks it up. And then at some point, they put both of the truckers down to the floor, hard camera side. All right? So keep that in mind. That, or decide by the commentators. We'll, we'll, we'll call it that. So they go out to the floor, and they do that. Then the twins decide, all right, hey, well, let's, let's get ready. We're going to do a double dive. Here's why, and this is the only reason that this thing is a no disqualification match. Both of the truckers conveniently pull out signs from underneath the, the ring at that side. One of them has a sign that says, watch for trucks, and the other one says, honk, honk. David McClain is selling this like, oh, well, some fans slid them some signs. I don't know how stupid that is because, like, are you telling me that two fans came in here with two street signs and no one noticed that? Up until this moment, like no one noticed they, they was in here with street signs, one of which is is clearly fictional. Like what what sign, what purpose does a sign that says honk honk serve other than the fact that, hey, the truckers like to say this all the time. So Miami Sweet Heat run off. They try to do the, the dive through the ropes, and they both get hit in the head with these two signs. Hence the no disqualification match. They get tossed back in. One, two, three, we win. And that was it. This was a absolutely unnecessary stipulation applied to this match. 95% of it was a standard wrestling match. Right up until that last 5%. I wouldn't even say that. Right up until the last 1%. 99% of this match is all 
standard. And then it just like, all right, well, we got to know the qualifications so we can reuse these signs. I would have accepted if they had cheated. And all it would have taken for them to get away with it and the fans accepting it is if Miami Sweet Heat was constantly cheating, using the, you know, the advantage of Lana Starr, choking him out behind the rust back, distracting him, doing stuff, using the legal tactics. And then you get to the point where the trucker's like, all right, we had enough. All right, you want to do this? Fine. And then they beat him at their own game. That would have been fine. Here it was just, I, I don't want to take, <laughs> I don't want to take Cornette's line, but I, I have to take it. This was lazy booking. It was just lazy. It was lazy that they put this on there just to accommodate this one spot. When they could have worked around it, and all four of them know how to work around it. So I don't know why they would have agreed to do that. They should have just said, no, we, we, we can make this work. But they didn't. So anyway, after the match, wouldn't you know it, Penelope Pink and Vicky Lee McCoy go running into the ring. Surprise, surprise. They grab a, a chair, or not a chair, they, a trash can. I don't know where these perfectly unused trash cans reside in WoW that they're always able to get them. Like, they never have anything in it. They don't even have paper in it. It's just an absolutely perfectly clean trash can that they that just happened to be there that one of them picked up, and then they go in there and they go attacking them. These are some of the safest shots I've ever seen in wrestling. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, you know, they're hitting them on the hip and, you know, stuff like that. Penelope Pink does a complete shot. And I don't know why she did this because it looked like she she did this on uh, Holly Swag, and it looked like she missed that thing by a mile. Like Penelope Pink was the one that went through the trash can, not Swag. So... The feud of the mother truckers and the Fab Four members are, will continue, but the truckers gain another victory in their their long line of victories. I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. Whether they get a title match or not, who knows? But yeah, as I said, the only reason that the no disqualification stipulation existed was to accommodate that spot in the match. Uh, they go to commercial like right mid of the beatdown. You can hear Dave McClain still talking and they fade him out and he goes to break. I was like, well, okay, that's different. So I, I, can't, uh, I can't get on there for not having that. I actually was a little surprised that they did something different. They come back next segment and as Dave McClain, he does a dramatic update of Ariel Sky and her concussion, which... Uh, I, I know that's just how David talks. I probably would have asked somebody else to do it, the voiceover. And maybe he doesn't perceive himself that way. But sometimes, and I'll say sometimes, the way David McClain expresses certain things and while always makes him sound like he's in showbiz mode, if that makes sense. It always sounds like he's trying to give uh, the inflection of the situation, which isn't a bad thing, but when it's overly done, it feels too showbiz, too dramatic, too overproduced. When he's going like, and guys, Ariel Sky, she's down, and we know that she's got a concussion, and we'll be back with wow. You know, it's 
it's kind of like that. It, it's <laughs> it's very dramatic. I mean, it gets the point across, but it's very dramatic. But this also goes into what's the future of, of team spirit. This was a bad debut for Sasha Sparks. What can I say? Not her fault, but it was a bad debut. Because unfortunately, she didn't get the opportunity to do much. She was in there and she got a chance to do something, but she didn't do much. They do an ad for next week in a trios tournament. So that's going to continue on. And then we get to the main event. This is where you need to have paid attention to what was being said rather than what you see. And then you would understand why this kind of, it didn't bother me, but why it was like, okay, something happened here and they're just, you know, not taking care of it. So anyway, <clears throat> Princess Ozzy and Abilene Maverick. The commentators talked about Ozzy's promo from several weeks back, and that that right there is a problem in my view. It's like, okay, we, we're we being asked to keep up and keep these things in our mind, this promo that we probably saw six, seven, eight weeks ago, sometime ten weeks back, and still have some kind of feeling of I'm ready to see this. I really didn't have any skin in this this fight. I, I It was just a match to me, and it shouldn't feel that way. They tried to hype it up like this is the Wild World's Championship, and this just felt like another match. It didn't feel like any sort of attempt for redemption out of Princess Ozzy. It didn't feel like any sort of major threat to Abilene Maverick. It didn't feel like this was something that she wanted and that she was so strong about getting that, you know, she talked about it week in and week out or whatever. And her, I mean, Princess Ozzy. They, I don't even think they had a video package to kind of illustrate that. It was all left to the commentators to, to bring up and talk about and, and address well, Princess Ozzy wanted to have a you know this match, and she felt like she didn't get what she deserved out of it, and, and out of being the champion, and so on and so forth. I will say this for Dave McLean: I I like that they he actually said she didn't get what she wanted, and I have the confetti set and it's ready to go. Should she win? I was like, okay, that's good. Because it doesn't come off like, well, we just have confetti and we know that this is going to happen. He said that the confetti is set and ready to go. So I was like, all right, this means that we do this for the wins, for the championships, for the big moments, you know, and when these things take place. It's not just We've pre-planned this. Now, we know that it's pre-planned, but it didn't present like it was pre-planned. So I thought that was a nice a nice touch. Uh, Abilene Maverick, in, in my view, uh, well, first, I like that they have worked to, or at least it sounds like she's worked to use the VIP as a new moniker, much better sounding than the governor's daughter. Governor's daughters just sounds silly, but I'm, but Abilene Maverick in in this it comes off much better in my opinion. The VIP sounds important, much more important. Um, but she doesn't elicit in my 
view a lot of emotion out of the crowd. I don't know if the crowd cared one way or the other, quite honestly. I mean, they know that they're supposed to cheer for Princess Ozzy, but it didn't, you know, it, it to me it didn't feel like they were driving like Ozzy win it, you know, like they wanted her to do it. That it it just didn't feel like there was anything to this match. It was just a match that happened to have the title on the line. Um, the commentators start reinforcing that Ozzy had been cheated again. You know, at, a couple of weeks ago, Dave McLean said that, oh no, uh, Abilene Maverick did it within the rules. When when it was Vicky Lynn that said that Abilene Maverick cheated, the story changed to. Well, she did it within the rules. She was perfectly within her rights to go and, and pin her like that and, you know, so on and so forth. Then you get back to this one, and she's cheated. And before Vicky Lynn McCoy had that, it was it was all you cheated, cheated, cheated up until something else. Then it flipped, and it flipped back. I, any way the wind blows, and it, and he needs to stop that. This is why I, I keep coming back to this. Like it's more and more David McClain going in any direction that he chooses to go. Whether it makes sense or not, find the story that the commentators are supposed to tell and stick to that story. And if they went in the line of the commentators are the unbiased voice, although we tilt towards the baby face in terms of they're trying to do this right. They're trying to play by the rules. You know, they're great athletes and so on and so forth. You call out the facts. They wouldn't be in this situation of she cheated. No, she didn't. She did. They, they, and just doing that amongst themselves, they wouldn't be in that situation. They just stuck to the facts of it. He could say that she was cheap. And that was something I learned when the, doing commentary. I was like, there's a difference between cheating and being cheap. You call out when they're being cheap. She should have known that Abilene Maverick was in the building. She, she got a fast one in on him. Penelope Pink had Princess Ozzy down, and, you know, she got shoved out. And Abilene Maverick took advantage of the situation. What a cheap way to win. She's, you, you illustrate that. She's being cheap. She did not cheat. She didn't, take it, she didn't break the rules. She was well within the rules. Dave McLean said she was well within the rules up until he didn't. So things like that. Uh, the story being told there is, is making Ozzy sound bitter and jealous. I don't know if that's the direction that she's going. But when they keep carrying on, because they are providing the soundtrack, for lack of a better term, to this story. When they keep going on about... <clears throat> She didn't get what she deserved, or she felt like she didn't get what she deserved. She didn't have the confetti. She's upset that she didn't get her opportunity for you know this or that or the other. When it keeps going on like that, yeah, it does make her sound bitter and jealous. Even though, even though the whole match that she presented was her idea in the first place. Which I said, I was like, this makes her sound stupid. And nothing they've done from that point on has done anything to change my mind about that. Not her with Candy Crush. That made us look self-centered and 
not concerned about her friend up until she didn't have anything else to lose. Not this, because it makes her sound bitter and jealous. Not beforehand, when she made the challenge, when she didn't even know what the challenge was. And not when she took the match, because it's like, why are you doing this? And nothing that Princess Ozzy has done from that point to present has made me feel like she made any smart decisions. It's all been just ridiculous decisions and bad presentation. It should also be pointed out, and this has nothing to do with the match, but this is why I say you have to pay attention to what they said. Nigel Zane, I was going to say the commentators, but specifically Nigel Zane said this, is that hopefully the Tonga Twins get their rematch for their titles. Now, this goes away to support what I said last episode when I showed you the side-by-side of the Tonga Twins and Last Call and how the finish that they had like a month and a half ago got recycled into that match to give the Tonga Twins the win. I'm not saying that that is what happened. I'm not saying that Last Call actually won and then they decided that they had to uh, change direction because Wrecking Ball left. But I would absolutely believe it if that was the story that came out. Especially when I hear this in the commentary. Now, normally I would say... I mean, yeah, it's it still have been quality checked. Somebody should have been there, but this is less egregious than when they have an advertisement for a match that's taking place next week that absolutely destroys the ending of the main event, like they had with that championship challenge, where the the ad told you who won and who the champion was going to be before she even showed up. But this this is one of those things. I'm like, okay, I, I, I can understand how that might have slipped under the radar because it is just a one line. It's not like it's peppered out throughout the show. But at the same time, it does support and reinforce the idea that something took place on this show that the fans are not aware of. I mean, forget me. Forget me putting the, the thing side by side. If you were actually listening to the commentary and you heard him saying, hopefully they can get their titles back, you might be left kind of bewildered. You might be, hey, what? Titles back? When did they lose them? Last time I saw them, they won. They beat uh, Last Call. When did they lose the belts? Why they require or why are they needing a return match to win them back? So <clears throat> this... That's one of those things that it should have been quality check. Uh, Admittedly, I understand how that can slip by, but it should be quality check, especially for this show. Uh, This match is a solid match. It's less gimmicky than, you know, most other things. And going going off into being gimmicky and wow is a very easy thing to do. Because everybody is built off of, you know, the surface level character that they're portraying. Uh, But because she is no longer the governor's daughter and she's not, you know, coming out here and pulling up in the limo. My daddy, Bobby, you know, whatever, or mom or whatever. She's not doing anything like that. And I'm not saying that's what she did before. I'm just, you know, illustrating the point. Princess Ozzy isn't 
possessed by voodoo powers anymore and you know things like this this was just a match between two capable wrestlers the downside of this match is everything that i've already said it is a match that didn't have any heat to it there was no build to this so i don't know why anybody would care beyond the fact that they are trying to build that and get you concerned about it or care that she wins within the course of the match, which is possible, but they should have built to this. I don't understand why they constantly put Princess Ozzy's name with former Wild World Champion. Who does that? Why are you doing that? Let's, let's continuously remind people that she lost it. Like... People used to say that, like, stop telling everybody that you're a three-time champion. It, it just reminds people that you've lost the title. Like, I'm, I'm less bothered by that than this. And, that, and I can admit that it's probably just me. But if, if this was my show, I was like, take that out. Take that out. I, I would be in my editing bay telling the, whoever put that on there, take that nonsense off. I don't want to remind people that Princess Ozzy lost the title. I can bring up that she's a former wild champion, but we don't need to have that as part of her lower third every time that she walks out here. I mean, if you're going to do that with her, you got to do that with everybody. Former wild champion, the beast. You know, former wild tag team champions, team spirit. If you're going to do it with her, why not with everybody? So, no, just lose the lower third. We don't need that. We just need Princess Ozzy, and if the commentator team is any good, they would tell you, and she's a former wild champion looking to get it back. You make that part of the story. But anyway, it's a solid match. <clears throat> One of the parts of the match that I really liked is the sell for the super kick that Abilene Maverick took. I mean, she, she went down like a tree. It's, it was now, that's one of those angles that I can't really tell whether she was actually connected with, with it. But, they, I mean, they, they did a fine job with each other here in the match. It is just a shame that there was no build to this. And then you add to the fact that it's a shame that it was living in the shadow of earlier events in the episode. And that's what it was. This this match was in the shadow of what took place earlier in the night. Because whatever time that this program could have dedicated to making sure that the main event had some level of desire or heat to it that people would want to see who won, that was all taken away. It was it was all taken away by, you know, so much time and effort being dedicated to, and I'm not, you know, minimizing the the incident or the the uh, knockout. Not minimizing that, but yeah, it clearly took something off of it. Took a little steam out of that. So at the end of the match, you got Ozzy. She does a picture perfect head scissors with Abilene Maverick, and. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of ironic considering what happened earlier. She does a picture perfect head with Abilene Maverick, and then she sets her up for her um, her Aussie cutter. Uh, 
the Aussie cutter for her is her setup for her finish, which is the frog splash. So she hits her with the Aussie cutter, then she goes up to the top rope. It's like, all right, she's about to come off with the, with the <coughs> frog splash. I am so thankful to Nigel Zane for not beating the cutter from down under, the cutter from down under. I'm, I'm so thankful that he does not do that. He calls it, and then he just moves it. Yeah, she got hit with the cutter from down under or whatever, you know. He doesn't turn it into some, you know, try to make it some sound bite. So she hits this. She goes up to the top rope, and then Abilene Maverick rolls out. She rolls away. She she gets herself out of the range of getting hit from with the sp- frog splash, which he had to say, you know, smart thing to do, you know, with her. Although you would assume that the cutter would have knocked her out so that she could get that in. But, you know, we take this for what it is. Ozzy climbs down off of the top rope. She goes out to the outside. She gets Abilene Maverick. And she is trying to get it back in the ring. Why? Because, you know, you cannot win the championship on the outside on the floor. She puts Maverick in first. Maverick stops her when she comes to the ropes. She tries to shove her. The referee, Ozzy, was able to stop herself. Then there's an exchange of holes, a rear waist lock, a reversal of the rear waist lock, a roll up, a feet on the ropes by Abilene Maverick. One, two, three. She gets the win, and that's that. She retains the championship. Uh, this is a good match and probably could have used more time, if, in, in my opinion. There's a couple of times in the wilds program where I'm like the short time limit understandably is there because it's only an hour show there's only so much that they can do but I also feel there there are and there have been several matches that WoW has had on their program that should have gotten more time for them to tell the story between the ropes, tell the story bell to bell. Some of these matches should be short, and they are comfortable in their length, and they had stuff leading into it that helped get the point across, whether that be a backstage segment, whether that be an interview, even though they do very few of them, whether that be a promo before or after the match, here, all we had was a promo beforehand, and we got the commentators talking throughout it. I think, given the quality of wrestler that both of these ladies are, Abilene Maverick being a former NWA Women's World Champion, current Wild Champion, Princess Ozzy being trained, I believe, by Lance Storm and having wrestled in several locations across the Indies. I think they're both good enough to where they could have gotten this match where it needed to be if they had more time to tell the story and the struggle that Ozzy was trying to do to get that championship back. But as it is, they didn't have enough time to do that to get people to where they you know, were desperately wanting to see Princess Ozzy to win because there was nothing else there that would have given you that. It's, it was only the match. And with the match being cut short, well, I shouldn't say cut short, but with, with the match being about 
Uh, what would I say? It, it, it probably was somewhere in the nature of about eight minutes. Or eight eight to nine minutes, if, if I were guessing. Because I, I think they had about three minutes worth of intro, and <laughs> you could trim off another 30 seconds or so at the end off of a video that was close to 12 minutes. So, yeah, somewhere about there. About eight, eight or nine minutes worth of match. Which isn't a bad time for a match, but considering that this is their wild championship, considering that this was the rematch that she never got and that she was coming in for to try to regain the, the coveted wild championship, that she was looking for her moment, this could have been built a little heavier. This could have been, you know, the attempt for redemption, the attempt to get back to the top of the, you know, the mountain to reclaim my throne. That should have been the story here. And Abilene Maverick doing everything that she can to cut it off, to stop her, to prevent this, because it's my time now. You can't have this. You had your moment. But that didn't happen. And as I said, I think that this match suffered from several things, mostly. The time not being there, considering that there was no lead-in, then you have to add on there was no lead-in, and then it lives in the shadow of everything that took place earlier in the episode. So I cannot justifiably judge the episode and be like, oh, it was a C or it was a D or it was an F. Or this was like an incomplete for me. It's just they had some good stuff in it but then they had some nonsensical stuff the tag team match didn't do anything for me because there was no reason for it to be no DQ especially when the only reason it was there was because of what I told you just to just to have that spot this main event didn't really do anything for me because there was nothing that made me feel like it was important and then the first match that they had got cut short unfortunately due to injury so this was this was a show. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all I can say. The commentators start talking about stuff that also I felt poked holes in stories or talked about things unnecessarily. I talked I told you about the Tonga Twins statement, which like okay, when did they lose? Maybe a lot of people didn't notice that when they said it, but they said it, and I'm sure I'm not the only person that that heard it. And then they said, you know, during the, the main event that, you know, Americana and Jesse Jones still haven't settled their their differences. Or like, what does it take for them to settle it? She's beaten Americana twice. Not just beating her, she's beating her clean. It, you know, she lost in the tag match, clean. She lost to her uh, one-on-one, tapped out, clean. What else do you need? So this is that point where it started to devolve, where the taping started off strong. I enjoyed that first episode that they came out of the gate with. It felt really fresh and that things were going in a great direction. And now it started to devolve. It started to devolve where the holes of the story started to get bigger. It started to devolve and that some of these things don't make sense in terms of why would they do this? The, the trios thing, uh, specifically Ariel Sky, 
we're not gonna count that. That's not their fault. That's not her fault. That's not Gianni's fault. It's just you know it just happens. But the tournament in and of itself, I've lost faith in because they just reslotted the mighty mites. And like like I said earlier, it now feels to me that the trophy is become secondary to whatever angles that are existing within the tournament. Whether that be coach being, you know, slowly morphed out of her group, whether that be exile, you know, with them carrying on about who's the actual leader, whether that be, you know, hey, we got Jay Boogie who's too stupid to realize that we're heels. <laughs> you know, just all of the, the things that they got happening in that and Las Banditas, we're here and we're the best, even though they've lost multiple times. So that is the entirety of this episode. I, I don't have anything I can give for it one way or the other. This is just a full review as, as clean as I can give it. I've tried to put in some uh, chapter markers so you can get to where you want to get to. <clears throat> and I also need to say I want to thank the people who have gone in and supported and called some of these advertisers that run their ads on our uh, website, WPNWrestling.com. Uh, because those help. They, they really do. I don't think you understand <laughs> how much they help. Uh, so, yeah, th- those help keep this show going. It keeps it afloat. G- keeps giving me the reason to be able to keep doing it, quite honestly. Um, you can also go to our shop tab on the YouTube channel if you want to buy any merchandise. I've been working on trying to get somebody to produce some new ones. And, of course, I talked about having a prize pack, and I, I found, like, the first two, three things that I can toss into that. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's been quite a bit of things that have been going on. We will be tuning in to the next episode of WoW. And also, I have, I'm not writing this. I guess I'm producing would probably be a better thing. Does WoW need competition? That is the question at hand. I might just put that on the YouTube channel, by by the way, now that I'm thinking about it. So if you are here and you're listening to it on YouTube, go to our channel page and you can answer the question, does WoW need competition? I only bring that up because I just looked at UWW, Ultimate Women of Wrestling, the other day, and they are like the polar opposite of WoW. They have stronger matches, but everything else in there is just like, holy crap, what are you doing? So, does does this need to exist? Does WoW need to have competition there to push it to be better? Does UWW need competition so it could be so it could be pushed to be better? Or do they just need to hire some people to do the production better? Because whoever it is that's doing it, they need some work. But that's a that's a topic for another day and another time. We will get on that later. Uh, so. Do all the normal YouTube things for those of you that are on YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe. The likes help. They've boosted us up in the algorithm. <laughs> I am uh, actually amazed. But it, it has helped boost us up in the algorithm a bit. Thank you for that. Uh, if you are looking to see where everything else that we have here, social media, blogs, videos, uh, podcasts, uh, downloads, etc., WPNWrestling 
wpnwrestling.com. That's wpnwrestling.com. Has all of those things that you can find it there. And, of course, like I said, you can go ahead on tab and you can shop right there on our YouTube page. So I think that covers everything. So, folks, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for giving me your time uh, and listening to this broadcast. I have carried on a bit long, longer than I thought that I would. And so on that note, I think it's time to close until the next episode. So until then, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we'll see you on the next go round. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for everything that you've done to support it. And we will see you on the next show. Or as I should say, my close, we'll see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.